Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, good to see you. You as well. Um, snow here in Minnesota the last couple of days, so we're, we're getting white Christmas, which I, I suppose some people are excited about. My, my daughter certainly is out on the sled, so... Um, like we can choose how we respond to that, right? We can choose to say that's a, that's a negative thing in our lives, or we can choose to say, Hey, what, what an opportunity to go and spend some time in a different context outside. For those of you in California that don't experience any snow, I apologize because it's pretty sweet sometimes. What a positive twist on the snow, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> you know, I live in Montana here and we don't have a ton of snow parts of the state do we don't in here in Bozeman, which is is tough because some people want it to come. I'm I'm of the opinion it will be here eventually. I will take it as long as I can without it. But because uh, it really hurts my wearing shorts and Crocs and sweatshirt weather when I start <laughs> when we start to get a bunch of snow. But none of that has anything to do with what we're talking about today. Awesome, awesome, awesome conversation that we get to have with uh, Marine Electa Monte author, uh, consultant, team coach. What an incredible human being, first of all, and what gifts she's giving to the people that she gets to work with. Yeah, we get to dive in on on her strength, which is this this gift, this tool, uh, strength finders through Clifton Strengths and and being an expert in that area, bringing what it looks like to maximize to, to, again, I use the word maximize because you're going to find out that's one of my strengths, right? This idea of maximize is one of my strengths, but, to, but to draw out from our people, from the people that we work with, engage with, and, and to understand who they are, and then to really get to what makes them tick and how to, how to grow them and, and empower them. I think it's such an, an amazing conversation, um, an amazing concept to be thinking about with regularity. I, we came in contact with Maureen because I heard her on one of our past guest podcasts, Ed Molitor, and he said it best. I just re-listened to that. He said it best. He's like, enough of me. I got to get out of the way of this conversation. It's that good. So here we go. Maureen, you said hit record. I love it. Let's get into it. I. We are so honored to have you on the podcast. We've been looking forward to this conversation for several weeks. So welcome and let's get rolling. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. It's a tremendous opportunity. Uh, I can tell already we're going to have a lot of fun. Absolutely. I think the, the thing that I've been just really grateful for is the perspective that you bring. You shared your book with us, Destination Unstoppable. I'm sure we're going to have a bunch of conversation about that. But one of the things that it draw my, drew my attention to consistently was just how valuable it is to recognize what we do well, right? Mm-hmm. To understand that we have a role and a place and that that role is magnified so dramatically when we feel confident in our strengths and, and really what John was talking about right before we press record is that one of my strengths is like, I, I can't wait. I'm excited. I'm passionate. I want to dive into the conversation. And so we kind of were prefacing, you know, Hey, Jamie kind of makes some mistakes and gets, gets down the road a little bit, maybe not a mistake, but gets down the road a little bit before we, uh, we actually have the, the record in progress. So, um, can you talk to us about how you got started with strength finder stuff and how you started to understand this process. Cause it's so fascinating. Isn't it fun. And, and I read your customized report and it does speak about your interest in each person. Right. So this does appeal to you. This tastes like, it doesn't taste like chocolate to everybody, but it does taste like chocolate to some people. And, and it oh, did certainly. for me the moment I took it. And yeah. uh, I was in a master's program at Duquesne university for leadership and business ethics. And uh, by the way, business ethics is a bust. <laughs> nobody in the world and nobody, and, and it's only gotten worse. And this was in 2006 or whatever. Nobody's interested in ethics. And yet we could really use it, but that's another, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but they are interested in leadership. And so as part of the program, we took many assessments 
for leadership assessments in Myers-Briggs and blah, blah. And they're all good because they drive self-awareness. But the strength finder, when I took it, it was the first time I realized why I kept leaping from one career to another and that I'd been an engineer and then moved into as a professional photographer after being in Paris. And let me tell you, there's no real overlap between I mean, engineering I guess, and photography. Yeah, not, not a lot. <laughs> and I was a very good photographer, but I have a strength called ideation. I'm very, I'm very creative and I can see things, right? I just didn't realize that it was a talent and I thought everyone could see it, right? Yeah. But the moment I took it, the bigger, longer term impact besides understanding myself better, was I could see how it helps teams. And I've come to realize over time that I'm a, not a very good engineer. Seriously, I'm a mechanical engineer. I have a BS in MS in mechanical engineering, which is the biggest joke ever. Don't get me around anything mechanical. I just made a little smoothie and I'm struggling with the you know, blender <laughs> thingy. Um, anyhow, uh, but that I'm a people and team problem solver. I'm a good problem solver. It just wasn't in the world of mechanical stuff, right? Yeah. So uh, my success throughout life has been, in, in every role, has been helping teams reach their full potential or, or become better. The strength finder gives me tools that understand what makes you tick, how to shape the role so that it helps you, right? And the first thing I did, I was in a, we were finishing the capstone project, which is a group project. Everybody hates group projects because somebody does all the work and nobody else does, right? And, um, it, and I realized that there's one guy with his foot always on the brake. He has this strength opposite of you, Jamie. You have the foot on the gas. There's the foot on the brake too. And we want a car with both, by the way. Okay. So there's yeah, value. My, there. my brake pedal could use some adjustments. <laughs> a sometimes. little practice. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, I realized that he needed time to think and he liked research and the other guy wanted to be the center of attention. We let him present. I was kind of the manager and did some other things. I'm a good writer. So anyhow, it's a team worked out great. And I, from that moment on, right. So then I, I, I joined IBM within, within, I don't know, five, six, seven years some 15,000 people. And this was all grassroots had taken the strength finder and I was helping teams. It was never my day job. So eventually I left that role to start this, to do this full time, right? Yeah. What I'm doing now, which is helping individuals and teams in sport, in the corporate world, reach their full potential. My preference is sport for a very simple reason. The people are motivated. Yeah. If I have to convince you to go work hard at, to be, at being great, I am the wrong person. Okay. I'm really am. I get cranky. So. <laughs> That's how that all happened. And so it's been, you know, 2005, 2006, it's been 15 years or something. I've been doing this and uh, I get great joy out of every time. I worked yesterday with a small company in Colorado and tonight I'm working with a hockey team and we're doing both Destination Stoppable and Extreme Ownership with Jocko, right? Nice. I'm familiar with him. So it's both, we're, we're kind of doing both those things. But imagine having these conversations with high school kids that are less self-aware, right? So I... I want to take you back to the 15 years ago or so when you made that decision, because I think we're at a time in our society where a lot of people are trying to make decisions on their employment, their careers, what their life is looking like coming out of a pandemic and people realize, I was just telling Jamie, I was listening to a podcast this morning about how so, you know, we're talking about the great resignation Mm-hmm. of our society and how people are quitting and doing different things. And, and I couldn't help but think about how the strengths finder can not only help individuals figure out, okay, what is the next step for me, but also organizations to retain and or recruit the right yes. people. Um, and, and that goes for athletic. I mean, cause, in, and again, we could go as broad as we could want to here, but, you know, we talk about how the topics we talk about are athletic based, but it's really life. I, I think of our sports teams, Jamie, you and I have talked about the attrition, especially in youth sports. We love football, you know, contact sports are losing kids in participation. And it's like, is it because we're not doing some of these things like the strengths finder, those sorts of things, but take us back to that time where you made that decision from man, I'm, I'm in this role. You were in a huge corporate job, successful, but maybe in, you know, if you run, you read the book and you order it, (laughs) you'll find out that you weren't really that, uh, didn't feel very valued in what you were doing. And then all of a sudden, you know, this opportunity comes for you to start taking that next step. But 
Take us back to that and that kind of that decision process. Yeah. And you know, I, it, the company was IBM. It doesn't really matter. I refer to it in the book as the company. And one reason I did that is all big companies struggle with this problem. Yeah. Right. And the, the, I can, as a, as an employee of a large company, you can have the best experience and the guy in the state next state over does not have a great experience at all. And so large, large companies lose the, the understanding of what the experience like is, is for the employees. Okay. Yeah. That just happens. And I worked with IBM twice. They were the best company the first time. And I was employee of the year for one of those, right? Engineer of the year. How hilarious is that? Right. When I'm the chairman <laughs> of engineer, but I was solving customer problems. And then, and then when I, when, when I left, I was not happy at all. Right. But somewhere inside of the company in Australia, somewhere they're having a great time. Right. So it, it is, it is difficult. Organizations are difficult. So I didn't, I'm not trying to point fingers, but at that point, yeah, I was, I was not, not feeling value for being valuable. And, um, I got a phone and I, and I was hankering to leave again. I'm a natural entrepreneur. Right. And I kind of had it with the big company experience again. Right. And so I, I got a phone call from a, uh, a friend who I had, who was aware of the work I did with corporations. Would I, with the strength finder work and teams and et cetera, would I work with the Cranbrook boys hockey team? I'm in Michigan. Cranbrook is a private school, not too far from me. I had no idea. And I knew nothing about anybody. I didn't know anything about the players. I didn't know anything about the coach. And, but I was dying to do a sports team. I grew up as an athlete and athlete athletics is the natural strength-based system because we don't take a goalie and say, now go practice scoring. We help a goalie be a better goalie, right? Hopefully, we don't need, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully yeah. in the, in the perfect world. <laughs> and so bottom line, I spoke with coach Weidenbach uh, and to listen, I asked about the problem because I'm actually listening to hear if he's the problem because mm-hmm. sometimes the coach is the problem child, right? We've all been that in that uh-huh. environment. <laughs> so, uh, and, and he said they were disrespectful. They weren't playing the hockey, right? Hockey, the right way. They didn't listen to the captains and he was unhappy. Okay. And so I said, well, let me tell you my approach as you spoke about earlier, focusing on what's great about people. I don't, I take an abundance-based approach. Let's find the talent on the team. Let's help kids understand what they're naturally good at that inside motor, right? The way I describe the strength finder in sport is it's the money ball for the inside game. We know money ball for the external game. You can measure everything, the angle off the ball, how far people throw a football, whatever. And, but my argument is there's an internal motor there that if you don't measure, you cannot fully harness. So I'm kind of talking like that to coach Weinbach and he liked what it's, what it, what I said. And I said, we're going to talk about success and trust and we'll do the strength finder. And that was all I had. Right. And that's what I do with most teams. So the next time I'm going to talk to the, to the boys in the locker room, I said, what does success look like? And they said, oh, win the state championship. I said, okay. And I accept that. And I write it on the board. Fine. And you want to win the state championship. Do behaviors matter? And oh, yes, behaviors matter as well as, you know, how we get there matters, not just what we want to do. And I said, tell me about championship behaviors. And so then they describe what success looks like for this team. 10 minute exercise, right? We're done. And then I instituted something, as you guys may have read, called the Team Trust Bank. And I do this with all teams willing to make the journey. And not all are. But I worked with one last week where there was one person that I am positive was not on board. Okay. And that's another story. But you either are helping the team or hurting the team. Life is a thumbs up or thumbs down experience. There is no neutral. When you go to a, uh, a restaurant, you are measuring how you're treated and the quality of the food. How you're treated is the human experience. The formal experience is what you get. And the human experience outweighs the formal because you can have really good food and rotten experience and you will never go back, yeah. right? So there's thumbs up or thumbs down. And so I asked these boys, these high school boys, they're hearing about it for the first time. Are you willing to make a team trust bank where we make deposits only? And those are all thumbs up conversations. You guys are going to leave here today and say it was a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I'm going to leave here today and say, oh my God, those guys were the best or the worst, right? Yeah. If I say you're eh, kind of a neutral, eh, that's a loss, right? That is not a win. That's a loss. So the boys had to commit to a team trust bank. And then I had them say to each other, I refuse to let you fail. That turned out to be a big deal, bigger deal than I thought it was. 
And um, then we did the strength finder. And that was my first foray, foray into the male athlete profile. And I have now since worked with, you know, 1500 athletes and coaches. It is astonishing the difference in the gender path of victory, which maybe we talk about down the road. But that was the first time I realized that there's something odd about male athletes in that 18 out of 22, 24, 25 people had competition in their top five strengths, strength finder measures, top five strengths, or whole 34. You can do either one. It's a lot of talent to measure, right? So it's another vocabulary, but 18 had competition. And the very first question you ask is, so who's the opponent, right? Yeah. Is it Jack sitting next to you? Or I'm the second string goalie and I want to be the first string goalie. So it's he's the opponent or is it the other team? And so we had two hours and 45 minutes, literally. I'm done in under three hours with these boys. And um, they went on to play and they won the next 10 of 11 games and outscored the competition 67 to 16 goals. And they won the state championship four to nothing. They were very good. Coach said yeah. they were good, right? So, but they, everyone yeah. talked about the experience of learning the strengths and the unsung hero of the, of, the, of the book is the third string goalie who had the strength of harmony. And when there was conflict, he owned that role. And that's the value of measuring talent on the team to harness it, because that talent was sitting there for three months. And until we knew about it and said, Nolan, will you go interfere, intervene, calm the waters, you know, bring the human glue? And he owned that role. And he made the biggest difference off the ice than anybody else did. See that this is the thing that I stole. I I mentioned that I I borrowed from you recently, and it was this idea that why why try and make your two right make your your strength that's maybe a two on the scale of one to ten a five when your five is still just average, right? Why not take your eight and invest in it, improve it? grow it and make it a nine, nine and a half. What you guys did with Nolan is say, you have an eight here in this human, you might have a nine here in this human glue thing. Right. Why are you not leveraging this and making it mm -hmm. about bringing together these people? I'll tell a story briefly from our experience. John is also a harmony guy, right? He's got some conflict resolution skills as a, as a mental health professional that are, that are incredible. And we happen to go and work with, work with a business. Um, and, we had a moment of conflict. We had a, an employee say something about the leadership that was like, we, you're talking to us about all the stuff the leadership wants from us, but the integrity of the leadership isn't such that I believe what you are saying. And I was like, I like shut down. I was going, oh my goodness, <laughs> how do I deal with this? How do I manage it? I just want to power through, foot on the gas. Like, I hear your concern. Thank you. We're moving on. And John's like, <laughs> tell me more about that. Like, and he wanted to, he was able to, and I just think this capacity to draw out, cause I, I would have failed miserably in that moment. And I would have made zero impact on these people, John stopping and saying, you know what, you have a valid concern and I want to hear about it. And then being able to say what you, what you are saying is important and you're valued for being valuable. The, yeah. one of the phrases from your book, made a huge difference in our ability to connect with that group of people. And I like, again, I, I love what I do and I feel confident when I'm in a room full of people, but if that happens, I need somebody or to develop a strength that, yeah. that might be more harmony uh, in, in context. And so I just, I think that's such a powerful thought process. You know, how do you leverage strengths rather than magnify weaknesses. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And what you just described is why you two can have a perfect partnership, right? Because nobody's great at everything. Yeah. Harmony's like 32 or something for me. I would have thought this was hilarious that the guy was calling on. I've been like, good for you for speaking honestly. <laughs> no, I probably would have explored it, but tell me more. That is a, that should be like taught in first grade, Agreed. right? It, tell me more when, because when, if you'd even been able to say, tell me more, your mind might've been able to buy some time to get where it needed to be. But regardless, it's a great partnership. Tell me more is something we should be exploring, right? And there is no, if this is how someone feels, it's how they feel. And so let's find out what, what's behind it all, right? So I, I really love what you're saying. And America is a deficit-based society. We yeah. focus with all the best intentions on what's wrong with people in an effort to help them reach their full potential. And you mentioned mediocre. Who wants to be mediocre? I don't. And so what am I great at? 
And then somebody else, as I mentioned, my book is my harmony partner, right? He was my diplomacy checker because he said to me, Microsoft Word has a grammar checker and a spell checker and you need a diplomacy checker. And he's right. I'm very direct to the point where, you know, and there's times when that's helpful and there's times when it isn't. So finding those people that can be what you're not because it honors their talent, right? John's able to shine in that moment. And that's perfect. That's the way it should be. I'm curious about one other thing that that came through from the players and it came through from every one of them that you sat down with was this idea of relief Mm. and how being valued was like a relief to them to say, I don't have to do everything. Right. Yeah. How did you how did that manifest on the team? And then how do you see it more consistently? Because I would imagine this is a is a common word you hear. You know, it's interesting. Um, There's a couple of reasons, I think. And let's talk about this team first. I think the burden, there was pressure and they were good. I still have coaches that talk to me about that team. Now this year in 2021, the same, they won again. The opposite story. Not nowhere near the talent. And I love them dearly. Nowhere near the talent. So much more human glue. Okay. So they won again. They won a state championship. Four to one. Um, I never saw it coming, <laughs> but, um, but the, the burden was high expectations. Um, and when people are competitive, they assume they must make the win happen. There must be something they can do to make this happen. And so there's, as, as you know, from the strength finding results we did, I color code the more intense talent red because it's intense. And so an engine will self-destruct if it's too, if there's too much power going on and not enough oil, right? So I think the relief to understand that actually no one can handle that. I don't have to. One of the captains was really struggled with the conflict on the team, right? Let no one help. And so when everyone has a role that's equally valuable, no matter how old you are or what level you are on the team, you can all carry that together, right? And that's part of the unity that comes from a team trust bank as well and a common view of success. Because then you can hold people accountable when it goes south, and it will, right? So that I think that's kind of the deal from the high competition thing. The other thing I think is um, people expect that everyone is like them, that we all see the world the same way, and instead we interpret the world through the lens of our strengths. And I use the the description in the book called the eagle and the dolphin, and they both catch fish and they don't do it anywhere near alike, and they look at one another and think, "What's wrong with you?" right? There's something wrong with you, right? You talk too much, you never talk. And if you think about how an eagle sees the world from above, right? That point of view, the dolphin will never experience ever. You cannot send a dolphin to school to experience the point of view of that eagle ever. They can appreciate it, but they'll never experience it. The eagle will never experience what it's like to work as a group to catch fish with dolphins. So the world is the world though. It never changes. And each of us has a perspective of the world. And once they realize that everyone's perspective was valued and valued and valuable and different from theirs, and we could all work together and make it all work, it'll all work well, that was a big relief to them. And that is in the, in the corporate world as well. But I see it more from the young people that are really hungry and don't know what else to do. Right. I, I think about that from a leader, leader perspective though, too, and especially coaches, you know, let's talk about coaches for a second where it's like, mm-hmm. this is my lens. This is what I want to project. This is how I want my team to act, how I want them to see the field of competition, whatever. How do you get coaches buy-in for, for that? Because it does take a shift in mindset from, I am in charge of this whole thing. And this is how it's going to go to figuring out what is, what are all the pieces. And then, so that's what, that's the first question I have. And then the second thing is you've brought up this concept of human glue a couple of times now. I'm wondering if you could just expand on that as far as what that is and why it's so important. Yeah. So first of all, um, not all coaches are coachable. Hmm. So I'm not in the business of convincing a coach that it's helpful to know the internal motor of Tom Brady. You either care or you don't. You see value or you don't. One way I sometimes do it is, as people are, are interested, is I just have them take the strength finder themselves. 
and say, now imagine knowing this about your kids, right? The athletes, male or female. And the other thing is, if I can get them to take it, I can say, because coach, coach Weidenbach was very much like that. My way. We play hockey my way. The right way was his way. I later learned. Okay. And he had a strength called command, which is imposing. And it's very structured and very disciplined. And he was one of the most structured, disciplined people ever. It had the food had to be put in the cupboard the right way. Okay. So <laughs> we were very, very different people, but he could appreciate the value of, of this. And then the, the coach that won this year, coach Weinbach is retired and is in Florida, working with Tampa Bay and some other groups and coach LaFontaine, he's the opposite. Right. So you can both you can both be a great coach by being totally opposite. But there's always value in learning what makes people tick. And I hear about it from my coaches. And sometimes it's more, the female side. One of my coaches said, what I love most about your program is it helps me value and love my girls. Mm. That's yeah. that that coach is why. Oof. Right. Another coach that's not wired with a lot of human glue said, this opens the door to relationships with my kids and relationships with your kids is everything. That's the gold. That is the gold. You will not influence people if you do not have a relationship with them. They'll go with you for a while because you are the boss, right? But they won't go the distance. It's not sustainable. So the, the answer to the, to the first one really is that, that no matter what your talents are, all teams struggle all kids struggle, all relationships with people are hard. And we should be teaching that in first grade as well. And this helps with the struggle so that we get a unified team, which outperforms a fragmented team. And that's where the glue comes in that overcomes obstacles and achieves goals. And that's the journey. There is no other journey. And if you don't invest in the human system of success, you are losing out on a competitive advantage that someone else can. Then the glue part is really the bonding that's required. Um, and if I, if I could say the, the male athlete team typically has way less of that, of the human glue bonding talent, right? So in your case, John, you've got harmony and developer, which is, you're able to find, as we know, you're able to solve conflict and you can sell up, you can see how people are progressing, right? And that you celebrate progress where Jamie, you have the maximizer perfection strength. And that's more of the, is it perfect? If it's not perfect, we're not there yet. Yet progress leads to perfection. Hmm. We don't leap from nothing to perfection, right? So that, that glue, somebody needs to encourage progress, right? especially with young people who are learning. And then someone needs to say, we can get better, right? So that's kind of how that all plays out. The male, athlete pro, the male athlete teams often have way less bonding talent, the, the relationship building talent. Female athlete teams, have all the bonding and none of the rip your throat out to win. Not none. It's less, less. Yeah. a lot less. And so they take a different path, but in both cases, your coaching is going to be a lot easier if you have a relationship with your players. And if you know what their strengths are, it opens the door to that. Certainly. I, so I was the head girls coach for a little while. I worked with the girls track and field program. And, and I got to understand this when I was actually an assistant coach and our head coach was a female. And I said, we're good enough to win a state championship. And I said it to the team. I said it in front of the whole team. And I said, we, that should be our expectation. We should demand nothing but that from ourselves. Like as a team, we are good enough. And my head coach came over to me and she's like, Jamie, you can't say that to them. Like you can't, you can't put this on them. Like you might be able to do this with boys. You can't do that with girls. I, I did push back and I challenged it a little bit. Cause I, I do have like this, this understand. I would say that if I, we opened my 34 developers, probably in the top 10 or 12, mm -hmm, like I, mm -hmm. I also understand that progress isn't, pro but I long for elite, right? right. I I'm drawn to elite. And so I'm like, I'm going to call that for everybody. Let's go and seek that out. Let's challenge that. But I, I was really, um, I grew a lot in those five years working with females as to, awesome. as to how it looks to not always demand that highest level and then to get to relationships too, you know? And like, that was, that was a, something we talk about a lot on the podcast and, and in our own personal conversations is what you already said. We cannot make this journey complete 
unless we have the relationship side, unless we have that super developed connective tissue. And we talk, you know, one of my things is loose connections create strong bonds. You know, I don't need to be your best friend. I don't need to love you, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. yeah. I do need to understand what makes you tick. I do need I do need to care a little bit about, hey, how's your how your parents doing? I know that you're struggling with something. How's that? How's that going? You know, and being able to have those conversations. And so that that whole thing builds it all together. And and as I, I'm sure you are aware, looking at our strengths profiles, John and I have pretty interesting relationships to our, to our yeah. strengths, because we are, it's why we partner well together. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. I, I took a picture of the, the kind of the continuum of the spectrum in the book. And I highlighted John's strengths and there's, you know, five kind of on the left-hand side and mine are kind of five on the right-hand side. And we have a little bit of overlap in the middle and, mm -hmm. and it's like, Oh yeah, that that's nice balance there. So Jamie, as much as I would love to hear your analysis of this, part of the reason, you know, yeah. that Maureen asked us to send our strengths is so she could give us an example of what it looks like. So again, I appreciate your analysis. Yeah. I was, I was transitioning <laughs> us there. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> slowly transitioning. I got oh, you. Um, so Maureen, I I'm curious, you've mentioned a couple of my strengths, a couple of Jamie's strengths, but just, yeah. and not to make this a group therapy that people are listening to you, you break us down, but I think it is interesting to hear the process of the, the strengths, where they fall in terms of the different categories and how that can potentially build a team to, to be more successful. Yeah. And one of the reasons that I, I believe the strength finder is the best assessment tool for this purpose is it's so comprehensive. Most of them are personality assessments. Right. And I'm not going to speak for you guys, but I am here to say that, thank the Lord, my success in life is not based on my personality. Okay. Because it would be a very <laughs> rough road to hoe or however the phrase is. Mm -hmm. um, it includes how you think. I can't see how you think it measures eight or nine different ways you think to solve problems. Right. And so much of our success in life is mental. And if I know you think about the future, I can speak to you about the future to help get you to do something you're not comfortable doing right this second. Right. So knowing how someone thinks is ginormously helpful because it's invisible, yet it's a very clear movie in their head. So clear. It's like a dream right? You've had a dream where you wake up and go, oh my God, that felt so real. Well, we're all having people with thinking strengths and a lot of thinking strengths having these dreams all day long, but we don't verbal, if we don't verbalize it, it's only our movie. So well, and we're, we're a mindset company. Obviously we value this, right? We think yes. that the way that you think is crucial in determining the actions you take in the world. And so if we could get insight into that at a deeper, more a more precise level, right? And I, I have my own series of like uh, cynicisms or questions about any of these profiles, mm -hmm. strength builder, but it's a tool, right? Let's understand that it's a tool right. that allows us an in, an and in. then we trigger to something. Now, now the work is on us. It's a practice. You said that in the book, it's a, it's practice. a practice. And this yeah. is hard work, right? For teams willing to make the journey. It's not easy at the individual level or at the team level. It's not. It's hard, but there's no better investment in yourself than to understand what's happening inside of you and why, right? And the thinking, and when you find athletes that are big thinkers, and it's more common in women than men, just is, um, in, this, in the athlete world, um, then you're like, because I have a, a young lady that she's created this movie about speaking to a coach she'd like to play for that is so uncomfortable for her. She can't even, she, when she tried once to talk to him, she broke down in tears. And she just wants to talk to him about playing for him, right? And I'm like, okay, what strength's completely out of control, right? And it's futuristic. She is envisioning a future that has nothing to do with reality. I said, it'll never come true like that. There might be this much truth in that movie inside your head, but it isn't all coming true period. So what can we do right to overcome it? So the, the strength finder measures 34 patterns of excellence. 34 is a lot. It does take a lot to get a hand and time to get a handle around the language, but we are complex creatures. And the odds of us meeting someone with our same top five in any order are one in 288,000. And in the same order, 
if I am to meet John's twin of arranger context, which is backward looking, harmony developer and belief, strong core values, it's one in 33 million. So it's insight that's specific to the individual and then the report is customized. So we, I skipped the categories. Thinking, how you think, what's happening inside your head. Relating, which is the bonding and human glue. Executing, which we value most in the world. Just get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done. But you can execute off the wrong path. And your thinkers, you're going 100 miles an hour down the wrong way. Your thinkers are your GPS to say, we're going the wrong way. Okay, So you might as well listen to the GPS. That's the reason we have one. And then finally, the pushy, intense, galvanizing talents. And that's where you get your competition, which is I hate to lose, not love to win, hate to lose. I, um, I'm in charge. I want the most important role on the team, right? There's all these that are a little bit more of the ego. They are done to people. So when you, John, when you said to the, I'm sorry, Jamie, when you said to the team, we're going to win the state championship, you were already maximizing their future, right? It was utterly clear to you, but they didn't, they want to make the journey step-by-step, step, right? So you were already doing that to them rather than, hey, do you think we can win the state championship? Right. So they're a little more intense. Yeah. Um, I am the question. Was there another question? No, that, that was good. I'm, I am the red, I am the influencing foot on the gas type. I have in my top five, I have zero executing strengths, the strengths that the, the world values. John, on the other <laughs> hand, has, has two executing strengths. And I was once asked by a friend of mine, like, why didn't you do this alone? Like mm. you, you can do this, you can handle this. And I was like, Hmm. Hmm. The reason I sought John out particularly is because he is a tremendous executor, right? He, he executes at a really, really high level yeah. and he's going to do some things. Like we've talked forever about coaching together. We just don't live in the same place. Um, and so it's like, why not do this together? Well, why did we want to coach together? Cause I'm the X's and O's like thinker, do all this stuff, get excited, motivator. And John's like, well, we got to have a practice plan, Jamie. We better have a good <laughs> Like let's execute a good practice plan. So I, yeah. you had kind of mentioned in our email leading up that we we're going to do some team analysis. I was just wondering like, yeah. So if I, so I put on one team quote, cause this is where the team is helpful. If you've got 13 people with competition and only one with harmony, mm -hmm. right. That's important to know. Right. And if you don't have any thinkers, that's important to know. So the, there's value in understanding the makeup of the team. And that's where it, I am a team consultant. Most people use the strength finder for individual development. It's great for that. But when you can maximize, as you can appreciate, Jamie, the potential of the team, you should do it with a team and do a team analysis, right? So that's what I've been doing for 100 years. So um, I took the three of us and threw all of our strengths in a bucket, right? That's basically what we're looking at. And if we look at the high level, the, the, um, the, the category level, 40% of our talent is inside our heads. That's almost half. So are we sharing that movie? Do we have the same movie? So that thinking talent and our team is very high. It's almost STEM level, right? Science and engineering, math. And then next is relating talent um, with 27%. And then get it done is at the 20% mark, which is a little low, right? Because we're busy thinking and then we do, or maybe we don't do. And then a little bit, 13% of, of the galvanized pushing one, because you're the only one that has that, Jamie, right? So it's a small, it's small, but nonetheless, it's helpful. And the only strength we have overlapped is that um, John, I'm sorry, Jamie and I have learner and our learners didn't read it all the same, did they? When Not they at all. It? Not at all. It was so fascinating to me mm -hmm. because like the, so as I was, uh, highlighting it says your natural interest in language explain explains why you enjoy mastering unusual words and their multiple meanings i have a degree in spanish i have a minor in french and classical studies so i've studied wow. spanish french latin and greek in some capacity i have a tremendous interest in language i did not answer a single question about are you a second language speaker do you have a capacity like and one of the very first things it highlights and this is not anywhere to be found in your learner profile that I have an interest in words, right. which is fascinating to me because I don't remember anything in the questions about an interest in words. Well, and 
just to, to explain one quick thing about the strength finder, they studied 2 million people looking for patterns of excellence. And they narrowed all these little lines of excellence down to 34 talents. So they have 8,000 statements that they can pull from based on how you answer 177 questions. So that's why your learner doesn't sound like my learner because peanut butter and jelly doesn't taste the same as peanut butter and chocolate, even though both have peanut butter, right? They're both wonderful. Yeah, they're both wonderful. <laughs> it's so good for you. So, um, so that's how that happens. But as a team, we would want to shape our roles to take full advantage. We'd list the things that need to be done, right? I'm the CFO, you're the head coach, I'm, you're the head coach of the men and the women or whatever we decide. And we just shape our role to take full advantage and then understand that the partnership that's there. To have only two strengths that are common, we've got lots of opportunity to spread the talent around. And that's important, right? We don't want well-rounded people. We want well-rounded teams. Right? Such a, I know John is in, John, it's very interesting because I'm the articulate, like I'm the articulator of thoughts. Um, my brain just like lets it out. And John is the executor in action but when it comes to things so i know that he's like he's thinking he's chewing on this thing how do mm -hmm. i say it how do i get around it my wife is the exact same way um interesting that my the best man in my wedding and my <laughs> and my wife have the exact same like that i'm drawn to people yeah, like this yeah <laughs> obviously um but as i as you say that i think to myself like how do we as coaches, as leaders, as mm -hmm. people that have some influence in shaping how teams work together, how do we access that? Like, I think one of the things that you mentioned in the book that's so interesting is Coach Weidenbach has this skill of individualization. He's really interested in the human snowflake yeah. piece. He really is. What if that's not a skill for us? What if, how do we, as the leader, as the organizer, take those strengths and say, here's your role and here's how you can best be suited to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, first of all, one of the things, the most important opportunities there are, and this does take time, but your specific report and mine are different as we've just discussed with Learner, for example. But if you were to read each athlete's report and then see what they can do and say, oh, I see the need for that on the team, or I'm gonna ask them to do that. Because when you ask a, an eagle to fly, they, they love it. And when you ask a, a dolphin to swim, they love it, right? So it's really about getting to know, but then also matching on the, what needs to be done on the field, right? And everybody can be a leader. This isn't about who to pick for captains. It's not a selection tool. But I've had great captains where all top five strengths were green and relating talent, right? And I've had great captains that weren't wired like that at all. But we do have expectations for each role and expectations for the team, right? So which talent can you use to make deposits in the team trust bank is one of the questions I'll ask kids. We're going to have a team trust bank. Which one can you use? It might be futuristic, right? I let them choose. They own their strengths, right? So it's really about the dialogue, that, that this, the opportunity for dialogue and understanding that comes from this. And I do think if you are a coach head individualization, yes, he did love learning what made each athlete tick. But the, the coach that I spoke to about earlier that doesn't have that and actually struggles to build relationships, particularly with people that aren't wired like them, this is the way in, right? So it gives you insight as to what makes that person tick. And then you, you open that door. You love history, John. Do you love history? I do. Yeah. So how can we look at what happened and use that going forward? Right. Well, that's, it's, it's not funny because it makes sense, but as a clinician, that's one of, one of my go-to questions for people, you know, and I know that's coming from me now, but I think it is helpful. It's what has worked in the past. Has it always been this way? And if it hasn't, then, okay, now we can start to make that connection and figure out what's the difference and how do we get there? Um, so it's definitely spot on for me. And the person who has futuristic will say to you, I have no use for the past. Right. It's tomorrow. And they challenge, they have struggled to stay in the now because they can envision themselves on the podium somewhere, right? And the the big victory. So it's in, important to know that all of it's valuable, but you're going to have completely different perspectives. And that's your path to success. And I do agree that what happened or what's happened is a great question. 
mm-hmm. but it will appeal more to someone who needs like, to look that way. Right. Yeah. 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 I work with the police department and quite a few of the officers have contacts and you can imagine a crash and you come up and you say, all right, well, what happened here? Right. And that's the question. So, so then, but an example for me, then if, if I know someone is less context driven and more futuristic, mm-hmm. flipping the question to what do you see in what, what is the end game, right? Like, where do you see yourself ending up? And you still make the connection of where I am now to where I'm going to be versus right. where I was to where I am. Exactly. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. They're still going to give you data. That's going to be helpful to you. Yeah. Right. So no, that, that makes perfect sense. So yeah. this, Jamie, you were absolutely right. My brain is in a pretzel most of the time when we have these conversations and somewhere <laughs> down the line, I'll have all these thoughts that materialize. But one of the things I was thinking about is something we talk about all the time, Maureen, is intentionality. You know, and so this word keeps coming because it's like, okay, we're talking about sports teams. You worked in the corporate world. I'm thinking about my clients, but I'm also thinking about marriages and parents with kids and understanding them and then intentionally building a plan. And every team is different, right? And every step year to year is different from, you know, whether you're a parent and you have a couple of kids, Jamie, you just had your second child. So for you, I'm thinking like, moving from when they're two and four to eight and 10 and how that's going to be different and how you have to be intentional about, okay, what can I expect from them? How do I put them in the best position to be successful here? So that's, sorry, I I know I don't always articulate, but that's where my brain is. I don't know what sense to make of it. Totally. So uh, let me just share that I have done this with parents of yeah. the hockey team players or there are girls across team, for example. Right. And then we've, they've got their kids and they've got theirs mm-hmm. and they're looking like, how did that child ever come out of our marriage? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and, but now we understand why that kid, I have a video of a kid and I, I, I often end a, a, an event with rock, paper, scissors, and it's best two out of three and you have to cheer for the loser. Right. And so then eventually everybody does it. And I have a video of one happening. It's all, it's insane. Guys are yelling, you know, and they're trying to play rock, paper, scissors, and then it gets down to the final two. And it's this big deal. And the guy that they, I have a video of is his, his team loses the one guy and he covers his face and lowers his head. Like at the end of the world, it's a freaking rock, paper, scissors tournament. Right. And he's very competitive and even rock, paper, scissors matters. And now the parents see that, right. They're like, yeah. where did a competitive kid come from? Cause parents may not have competition. Right. So, and in terms of the female, if there's just one point I want to make, uh, I've got a program called win like a girl that's the other side of destination stoppable, more focused on the lack of courage and confidence for female athletes. You probably scared them, Jamie, when you said you can win the state championship. Right. So, and that's, it is what it is. It doesn't, I'm not blaming you, but the courage and confidence thing, only nine out of 505 female athletes. I've got 505 male and 505 female strength final results just to go apples to apples, right? Approximately the same ages, geographically dispersed, and only nine had self-confidence in their top five female athletes, 1.8%. So this new program I have called Win Like a Girl, and that's the book that will come out next year is how I've had to shift my program for the female athletes as I began to do more of it over time. And I, be, I could see even on the field and how they interacted and how they crushed under, felt crushed by criticism from the coaches, that it was different. Now I'm not wired that way as an athlete. I didn't take, in fact, I was more aggressive, I guess is the right word. We know I have low harmonies. And um, <laughs> so, but, so I was like, what happened to the athletics building confidence? And if you look at something like, and this is oversimplifying it, but if you look at something like the NASA, the USA Gymnastics mess, mm-hmm. three decades mm-hmm. and no female athlete by herself really stood up to him. And that's a problem. So I am all in on helping female athletes understand the power they have within them to stand up for what they need when they need it most. And it'll come when they don't expect it and they may be by themselves. So this isn't girl power, which is fake pixie dust. It is building powerful girls. And that I can't emphasize enough. If you have a female athlete in your life, 
talk to them about what they're concerned about. What are they afraid of? What are you most afraid to do? We, talk, we do this in our workshops. What are you most afraid of? Yeah. I'm afraid to shoot. I'm afraid to pass. I'm afraid, da, 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 whatever. I'm afraid coach is going to yell at me. So then we work on solving those problems with the talents they do have because they don't have confidence. So, but they might have futuristic and how can we build it? Or they might have learner and I just need to learn more. Or they might have achiever and I work hard. Whatever they got, we use that and aim it at confidence and courage so that they become champions at the game of life. What a powerful message and tool as, as I just think about, you know, let's, let's be real. The coaching ranks is a lot of men, number one, and number two, a lot of people built like you because they were pushed by men. They were pushed by a leader, not always men, right? A leader in their life that Absolutely. had some of those strengths that were command strengths or influencing strengths that had high confidence, that had the tools that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And therefore they're drawn to that because they are also like that. And then, you know, like I, we had a coach on uh, afterwards was talking about, hey, you need to get this book. If you coach female athletes, because it's talking about how their bodies are different and we can only, we can't train them the same way that we train men. Well, this is what you're talking about from a mental and emotional perspective, the stuff that we cannot see and cannot measure or don't see and don't measure, I should right. say more typically. Mm -hmm. And we need to trigger and empower the leaders that have maybe don't see those talents. Maybe don't see mm -hmm. those skills because it's not who we are. Mm -hmm. What an amazing challenge to us as a society to say, let's recognize what's real here. Let's look at the data and say, this is the actual standing that we're in right. with our female athletes. And let's then empower them in a way that they feel empowered rather than me standing in front of them and saying, we can win a state title guys. Like, isn't this <laughs> the greatest thing? It's going to be the most amazing. Like, let's just go and enjoy this thing. And uh, you know, full disclosure, we won, we won a relay. We didn't win uh, a championship yeah. as a team, but we did okay. have, we did have this really cool thing. And I say it all the time, like shoot for the moon and you'll end up in the start, right? Whatever you're, you're in outer space. Like this is really cool. Right. But uh, that's me. That right? is that's you. me projecting totally onto you. everyone else. And as John said, I might need to come at it from a, instead of what has happened, well, what do you see happening? You know, what and like being happening? able to reshape my perspective to, to empower the people that mm -hmm. I'm coaching and teaching. What a, what a gift I think this is. Yeah, this and if be. you even say to a team, what does success look like for this team this year? Yeah. And then they start to define it, right? I had a girls team that wasn't a very good basketball team say, I want to create memories that last a lifetime. They all bought in. That was their single success statement. We want memories that last a lifetime. I'm good with that. Yeah. Right. And we should be good with that. Mm -hmm. That's enough. In fact, it's a lifetime of goodness. <laughs> and one last thing about Maximizer in my win like a girl book that's coming out. I just created a new Facebook page called win like a girl. If people are interested, I'm going to do an early cohort of readers and some things. So if that's something that people could go look at if they'd like, but the, the coach had Maximizer. She was female. She was tough. Right. And these girls would have second half halfitis. So I, I have a whole chapter on this season with all the girls across team and they fall apart in the second half. I'm like, what is wrong with you guys? Right. They won the state championship the year before. And so we finally had a frank discussion and this is where I can be helpful because it's hard to have a frank discussion. It might be hard to stand up to you, Jamie, if you're a female yeah. athlete. Right. And, um, and they said, all we hear at the halftime, five minutes is all she had is what's wrong, what we're doing wrong. And so there was a senior with positivity. She was given the role of you cheer them, then we talk about what's wrong and you end with a cheer and you go out and take the field, right? And then, and they um, lost in the final four, but <laughs> they were really struggling, you know, and it was always the second half, right? So, but you got to get to the root of it. And the coach had to let someone else do what she doesn't do well. Like, ja like Jamie said, what an incredible gift, Maureen. I look forward to, I, my wife comes from a family of four girl athletes. Wow. I have a bunch of nieces that are playing sports right now. So I, I absolutely buy into, it is different and we need to spend energy and invest in these young women uh, to build that confidence and no better way to do that than through athletics and figuring out their strengths. So I, for one, am excited about the win. Uh, like a girl book and Thank Facebook you. group and the whole thing. Yeah. And we're in, we'd love to have you back and talk about that when it comes out at some Absolutely. point. Absolutely, I'd um, be thrilled. And by the way, if you give them for like the holidays, you give them all strength finder uh, assessment. Ooh. I'll do a, whatever shirky team women's take over the world team analysis. Oh. And that's same for you too. 
Jamie, you know, so awesome. Anybody you're interested in having doing it now, you're part of the team. You're on my team. I'm on your team. Now we're a team. Okay? Awesome. Well, we thank you for joining us. What a, what an enlightening conversation that we get to have. We love doing this. We love getting to, I, I won't speak always for John, but I personally love getting challenged, um, to think differently about how we can make a real impact. And, uh, you have done that for us today. So thank you for joining us. You know what? It's my pleasure. I can't, uh, you guys do a good interview, right? And <laughs> so you. let's just say, I think you're well suited for these roles. What does success look like, Jamie? What a powerful question posed by Marine and really the heart of strengths finder and getting intentional about what it is that you possess within you. And then looking at that as a larger team venture, man, there's a ton of takeaways in here. Really, really good stuff stretched and grew me personally. And I know for us uh, as a team here, it's going to stretch and grow us. But what was your thoughts coming out of this conversation? I'd just like to add a, a addendum to the question that you asked, oh, what does success look like to you? Right. I think that's it. That's a really powerful to me. Like that's what the point of the book and, and the point of the conversation that we had is like, yeah, what does success look like as a team, as a group, we want to have a clear and concise definition. What does success look like to you so that you can contribute to the larger group conversation? I think as you, you know, you read the book and, and we have that conversation with Maureen and she talked about success statement. Like, do we have that clearly defined? You, you mentioned it, this idea of being intentional. Do we have a clear definition of what success looks like? And then how do we contribute in a meaningful way to that? Mm -hmm. You know, for coaches, leaders, people out there that are, that are thinking about how do I do this? Well, how do I do this profession? Well, how do I do leadership? Well, well, it starts with understanding the people that we're working with and, and getting the most out of them as consistently as possible. To me, that's the giant takeaway in all this is like, if you aren't maximizing, there I go, right? If you aren't you maximizing, maximizing your people, right? If you aren't maximizing your people, it's, it's because we're ignoring who they are and what they, what they have to offer. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that for me is, was the trust bank. You know, and that, that concept, you know, you hear trust bank and you hear, uh, and not to single out any of the self-help gurus or anything like that, but you think of this catchphrase, right? Trust bank. And I think Maureen is, if you listen to this conversation and you think she's a self-help, just fill in the phrase person, I think you weren't listening very closely, but the trust bank and how every action that we take, every choice that we make is either adding to or taking away from that. And I, you know, that's something I think logically most of us know, right. And whether we apply it to our teams or our individual lives, you know, whether we're, here's this word again, intentional about and aware of that interaction of our choices and our, our behaviors to that trust bank in, in those, whatever relationship it is, if it's our marriage, if it's our parents, you know, with, with kids, if it's our teams, if it's our work, everything that we're doing is either giving or taking and, and something, just a good reminder, I think for, for all of us, whether you, whether you've gone through the exercise or not, right. Sure. And whether or not your employer buys in or whoever buys into this thing for us as an individual to think, okay, everything that I'm doing either adds to or takes away. And the, to bring it full circle to kind of an eyes up mindset perspective is like, do we understand that other people are going to have a different perspective also? Because what we think is adding to the trust bank might be a deposit, like a withdrawal for other people. Right. So we need to then clearly define as a group, what does our strength deposit look like? And is it violating other people's strongest areas? And it, does it actually look like a withdrawal? in that place. And so being able to have these really transparent conversations, having intent behind the conversation, you know, from a leadership and coaching standpoint, man, like I said, I said the word gift, you said it like it is a gift to your teams to be able to understand your people and, and, and to uh, yourself, because how yeah. frustrating is it as a leader to, to not understand why Susie and Billy behave the way they act? Why do they keep making this choice? Why do they keep doing this thing? And if now we can attach some sort of concept to, well, it's, that's not part of their strengths, yeah. right? 
but what is, what can we build on? What can we, they give instead of, you know, having it be a frustrating thing for, for you as a leader. Yeah. The relief doesn't just come for the athletes and knowing what their role is. It comes for the leaders and the coaches to be able to, to unlock their athletes, you know, and, and then, uh, the, the project she's working on right now, you know, like when, like a girl, it it clearly resonates with both of us as, as you have nieces, I have a daughter, I've worked with girls sports. You've worked, you know, like you have plenty of females in your practice. Like there's, there's a series of conversations here that have to be a different level of understanding. And and I'm excited to be engaging in that challenge someday also. Absolutely. We appreciate you joining us and supporting us as always. If you want to get in touch with Maureen, check her out. She's easy to find. If you just Google Maureen Monte, uh, you're going to find the book Destination Unstoppable. I'm planning on joining the Facebook group, Win Like a Girl. Hopefully I get in on that ground floor of the book coming out and those discussions. And as always, we appreciate you joining us and supporting us. Give it away. Share. If there's value in this conversation for someone in your life, please subscribe, follow, rate, review, all of those good things. And as always, live eyes up.